with him. And notice this phrase, faint yet pursuing them. Faint but yet pursuing them. They were worn out, but thank God they were still going. Amen. I think probably all of us here tonight, most everybody is familiar with the story of Gideon, how that God had called Gideon to be one of the judges of Israel. God had delivered His people into the hand of the Midianites who had oppressed them, I believe, for seven years because of their sin. And um, they had called upon the Lord for deliverance and God appeared uh, to Gideon to call Gideon to deliver His people, to deliver Israel from this oppressive hand of the Midianites. And uh, it really must have thrilled Gideon, I think, when God had called him. And you know the story of the fleece and how that God proved to Gideon that he was truly going to use him to deliver his people. But then he called for his army together and called the people of Israel together. And Gideon must have been very thrilled and very excited when 32,000 showed up to be a part of his army. Man, we're going to win this battle. We have 32,000 soldiers and um, we're going to win. But then God said to Gideon, he said, you know what? He said, your army's too big. There's too many people in it. He said, I'm going to have to reduce it. He said, if I give you victory by an army of 32,000, you're going you're gonna vault to your, vault yourself and you're going to say, well, look what we did. We defeated the Midianites by our hand. And God said, I'm not going to let that happen. Uh, I'm going to fix it where when you win this battle, you're going you're to know that it was God that gave you the victory. And so it was thrilling to Gideon to see 32,000 turn out, but I don't know how he felt as he watched the numbers of his army begin to dwindle. And uh, the Lord told him to tell, uh, tell everybody that was afraid to go home. Well, when he told everybody who was afraid to go home, 22,000 walked out just like that. 22,000 left. And it left him with 10,000. And he's thinking, you know, well, you know, 10,000, I think we can probably still make this work even with 10,000. But then God spoke to him again. And he said, you know what, you got 10,000, but that's still too many. We're going to have to dwindle this down a little bit. You know, I don't think Gideon probably ever got any invitations to, to, to minister at any church growth seminars or anything uh, because he starts with a church of 32,000. He drops to 10,000. And then by the time God gets finished dwindling the numbers down, you remember how many he's left with? 300 people, 300 men in his, um, in his little army. But you know what God did? God took 300 men and, uh, and, and used them. And Gideon here with 300 men and a promise from God with a small army, he still overcame and put the Midianites on the run and pursued them until ultimate victory was achieved. Now that's the thing that you need to get a hold of tonight and that we want to stress tonight that Gideon didn't stop until he had attained 
the ultimate victory over the enemy. And that phrase that we're using for our text tonight is an interesting, very interesting phrase because it reveals the determination of Gideon and his army. Where that phrase says that they were faint yet pursuing them. They had been pursuing this army for some time. They had fought the battle. Gideon and his 300 men, they had fought against the Midianites. God was with them. God had set every man's sword against his enemy. And, and uh, they, had, they had won a great battle so far. But now they're pursuing the two kings of Midian. They're pursuing the enemy. And, uh, you know, Gideon and his men have grown tired. They've been in a, in a battle. They're weary. They're tired. They're exhausted. And I'm sure that it felt like uh, to them they were ready to just quit. Let's just call this quits. After all, you know, really, we've, we've defeated most of the Midianites. We haven't conquered all of them, but we've overcome most of them. I think we can just kindly go home and take a break and relax and rest a little bit, but that isn't what they did. Even though they were tired and exhausted and ready to quit, they continued to pursue the enemy. They were faint, yet they were pursuing. And uh, that's something that we need to get a hold of tonight because we all get that way, faint and weary and tired in our walk, in our spiritual walk with God. But we, there's never, listen to me, saints, there's never a place for us to ever stop pursuing the total victory that God wants us to have in our life. A partial victory is good, but a partial victory is not good enough. And I want to say that again. A partial victory is not good enough. And I think so many times that we as God's children are satisfied with just a partial victory or just a little bit of victory. But you know what? We have got to have total victory in our life and in every situation in life that we face the enemy. Now, you know, they knew, I think Gideon knew and his army knew that if they did not totally and completely defeat Midian, that Midian were going to, uh, they would regroup and they would come back and, uh, you know, there would be another battle to fight. So they had made up their mind that they were not, even though they were faint, even though they were weary, even though they were exhausted, they were going to keep pursuing. Even though they were worn out, they were going to keep going until every last enemy was defeated in the armies of Midian. Listen to me, church. That's a message for us today. We have got to keep pursuing. We have got to stay in the race. We've got to stay in the battle. We've got to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Can I get an amen tonight? Hallelujah. See, spiritual faintness is a major problem within the body of Christ today. Burnout. You've heard that term, haven't you? Burnout and fatigue in the ministry uh, and among believers is very, very common today. I hear that from a lot of people today, you know, saying, well, I'm just, uh, I'm just burnt out. And I know people do get burnt out, but I don't believe that that is the will of God for us to burn out. But I will say this, I would rather burn out for Jesus than rust out for the devil any day of the week. 
Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But, uh, but we hear that term a lot. Burnout and fatigue and, you know, uh, the statistics of those. And I've read the statistics. I don't know exactly how accurate they are, but I've read the statistics of those who leave the ministry and it's staggering the number of, of pastors, the number of preachers and ministers that leave the ministry, that walk away from the church, that walk away from the pulpit uh, on a monthly basis. There are, some, um, there are some stats that say 15 to 1,700 ministers leave the ministry every month. And I don't know how accurate that is, but if that is the case, that's something to be concerned about because it should not be that way. Amen. I know there's, there's hard places in the road and, and, and things like that, but we've got to uh, continue on no matter what, um, no matter what we have to face in this life. I, I get weary in my, in my uh, Christian walk. You get weary in your Christian walk. And has anybody ever come to the place uh, in living for the Lord and facing things in your spiritual uh, life and in your walk with God where you've just, you know, that, of course the devil's always talking to you and saying, why don't you just quit? Is it really worth it? Just throw in the towel. It's not worth all of that. And, and we face that temptation. But can I tell you something today? We've got to stay in the fight. Come on, somebody. We must never stop pursuing. The church and the kingdom of God suffer a loss of good soldiers on a continual basis. People giving up in, the, in, the, in their walk with God. People falling by the wayside. And every believer, every child of God at one time or another has felt like quitting. I mean, when you go to the Word of God, you look at some of the great men of God in the Bible that uh, felt like just felt like giving up. You remember Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, God's great prophet. I mean, you know, he preached and, and he was discouraged. He was, he was put in prison. I mean, they, they ridiculed him. They mocked him. And for 40 years, Jeremiah preached and was faithful to preach um, and deliver the word of God, but never got a convert in 40 years. And he got so discouraged. And this is a man that, that has, uh, his prophecies are recorded in the pages of the word of God, in the Holy Bible. And here was a man that got so discouraged one day that Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm not going to preach no more. I'm done. He's turning his credentials in. He's calling it quits. He said, I will not make mention of his name anymore. How many remember that? And but you know what? <laughs> it wasn't long till he said, after he said that, all of a sudden he said, you know what? But his word was like a burning fire in my heart, shut up in my bones, and I could not stop. Hallelujah. There was something on the inside of Jeremiah that even though he was faint, he got back up and he said, I've got to keep on going and keep on pursuing. Amen. You remember Elijah. What a great man of God Elijah was. Calling fire down from heaven. Um, you know, praying and shutting up the heavens. Then praying again after a three and a half year drought and, and the rains coming. What a powerful man of God he was to stand against the 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and have a showdown with them there. But then after a great, after a great victory in his life, you remember Jezebel. Oh, you know, you remember her, don't you? Amen. 
Oh, Jessie, one of the Bell sisters, you remember her. Amen. And how that she sent word to Elijah and said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to do to you by tomorrow this time what you've done to those prophets of Baal. And here was the man, here was a great man of God that had won such great victories, that had saw God move in such a mighty way. But, but here was a man that got, got weary and got faint and he, he takes off. He's running from Jezebel and he, he leaves and he leaves his servant and he goes off in the wilderness by himself and he gets under a juniper tree and he sits there and he prays Lord I, he says this to God he said it is enough I'm done I've had enough everything's gone wrong I can't take no more Lord just take my life he was a, a great man of God that got discouraged and got faint but thank God he didn't quit come on somebody hallelujah you may be faint you may feel like giving up, but you got to keep on pursuing. Stay in the race. Fight one more fight. Never stop pursuing what God has promised you. Never stop pursuing that dream. Never stop pursuing that healing. Never stop pursuing that answer to prayer. Never stop pursuing the salvation of that family member, that loved one. Never stop pursuing that victory over sin and over failure in your life. I'm telling you tonight, saints of God, that God wants nothing less for you than total victory in your life. So don't you settle for anything less than total victory in your life. Woo! You may be worn out tonight. You may have thought about giving up, but I want to encourage you just for a few minutes to stay in the battle and if you're faint, if you're wore out, just keep on going. Just keep on going. Let me give you three things real quickly tonight to remember to help you keep on going when you're faint in the battle. Maybe nobody here is, and that's good. Pray for me. <laughs> oh, I'm, do I'm doing good. Woo, hallelujah. But number one, if you are worn out and feel like giving up, number one, don't lose your head. Don't lose your head. How many of y'all know that a confused and a fatigued mind makes bad decisions? When you get weary in your struggles in life, you're more apt to do dumb things and to make bad decisions. And how many of y'all know tonight that the battleground in your life and in my life is right here between your two ears? This is where the battle is fought. Are you listening to me? It's right here in your mind. 
This is where the enemy attacks you the majority of the time with thoughts in your mind. This is where those thoughts come and those doubts come at that, that plague your mind. And when the enemy comes and puts those thoughts there, you know, that says, and, and he always does this when, when you're going through a difficult time, when you become weary in your walk with the Lord, and the, the enemy will say, you know, it's no use. Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just give up? God's not going to help you in this situation anyway. You're never going to make it. You're never going to have the victory. Has the enemy ever said that? Something that you are struggling with in your life and you are or praying and believing God. And just about the time you thought that you had that thing conquered and had the victory over that, whether it was some besetting sin or some addiction or some habit, and you, you were saying, God, I need to get rid of this. God, help me to overcome this. And boy, just about the time you thought you had the victory, man, you stumbled and you messed up and you fell and you was back into that thing again. And then the enemy comes and then those thoughts come and say, you'll never have the victory over this. You'll never be able to overcome this. You just as well give up. You just as well forget about it. But I'm going to tell you something. That is where the battleground is, is there in your mind. So you have to do, and I've said this before, and I'm not preaching or teaching to you, um, some kind of metaphysical doctrine or metaphysical religion. I'm not talking about Christian science. I'm not talking about mind over matter. But the Bible is full of verses of Scripture that tell us that we have to do something with our minds and with our thought life. You can't just allow your thought life and your mind just to do, go, go anywhere. You have to keep your thoughts under the control, uh, control of the Spirit and by the Word of God. You've got to focus your mind and make yourself focus on the Lord and on the things of God because the enemy will do everything he can to divert your thinking, to divert your thoughts, to other things and, and that's where depression comes in and that's where all of that stuff happens you know depression comes when people are, are sitting around thinking about what, what a mess they're in or thinking about their situation and they don't have an answer they don't know what to do and then those thoughts start coming you know uh, those negative thoughts and if you will sit and meditate and dwell upon the negativity that the enemy puts in in your mind, it will bring you lower and lower and lower and you'll get weaker and weaker and weaker and you'll come to the place where you will be ready to faint and fall by the wayside so you can't lose your head. Come on somebody. You've got to keep your mind focused on the Lord and on the things of God and on the word of Almighty God. Hallelujah. You can't keep the enemy from putting those thoughts there. You can't keep the birds, you know, I've said it before, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair. Come on, you got something, you got some say-so in that. You can't, you can't, 
stop the enemy from injecting thoughts in your mind, but it is up to you what you do with them once they're there. You've got to cast down imaginations. You've got to bring into captivity every thought, what? To the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. That's the problem with people when they become faint and weary in their walk with the Lord and they begin to entertain the thoughts that the enemy brings against them. That's why Paul said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 4 he said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down, then he said in verse 5, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So any time Satan comes against your, into your mind and giving you thoughts that are contrary to what the Word of God says, are you following? He's exalting himself against the knowledge of God, against the Word of God. You then are responsible before the Lord to bring those to bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What is that? That's bringing those thoughts in line with the Word. No, you don't, Mr. Devil. No, no, no. That's a lie. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus and replace that thought. How are you going to cast that thought out? How are you going to pull that, that, that negative thought down? Replace it with a good thought. Where are you going to get a good thought? Open up your Bible, praise God, and get in the Word of God and see what the Lord says about you and about your situation and find out what Jesus did at Calvary to stop the devil out and claim that victory. Don't lose your head when you're in the race and in the battle. Keep your head on your shoulders, amen. Paul said in Philippians 4.8, he said, he said, think on these things. Meditate and think on these things. And he, he gave a list there of several things to think about. Good that, things that are good and that are lovely and that are of good report. And if there's any virtue and if there's any praise. He said, think on these things. So what I'm telling you is, the thing that the Word of God says for us to do is do something with our thoughts. Amen? What did David, and I talked a little bit about this. We talked Wednesday night about meditation on the Word of God from Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. But David said the same thing in the very first psalm when he gives in psalm number 1, he's talking about the blessed man. The blessed man or woman in psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. But then he said this, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law, in his word, does he what? Meditate day and night. You need to get up in the morning and get your Bible. Hallelujah. Get in the Word every morning and feed your mind with some good stuff. 
Hey man, you you feed it all day long. We feed it with the news and with negative reports. I think it'd be good if we turned the news off for a little while and pick up a Bible or get a or get get put your earbuds in with a with an audio Bible on it and listen to the Word of God. But feed your mind, feed your spirit, feed yourself with the Word of God. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your head. Hallelujah. And you don't want to lose your head. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. So focus on the Lord. Focus on the things of God. Focus on the Word of Almighty God. We've got to, we've got to rejoice in His provision. If you're, if you're going to keep your sanity and keep your head, you need to rejoice in the provision that He's made for you. How many know He's your provider? If you're going to keep your head, you need to rest in His peace. You know, I tell you what I love. I love, I love Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3. It, it fits right in here with what I'm talking about because in Isaiah 26.3, it says, For thou, speaking of God, for thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace, who, who's Mind is what? Stayed upon thee. You know, there's, there's a lack of peace. And so many people, so many people lack that peace and that, that, that tranquility and that peace of mind and peace in their heart, peace in their soul. Amen. But see, God, listen to me, church. God wants you to have His peace. And not just peace, but perfect peace. Peace that, that, that passes all understanding is what the Bible says. And He said that if you and I will focus our mind and our attention upon Him and keep our mind stayed on Him, that He will give us His perfect peace. So we need to rest in that peace. Do you know? there's a rest for the people of God tonight. There's a rest for the people of God. We need to rest in His peace. Rejoice in His provision. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. And then we need to refresh ourselves in His presence. If you're going to make it through, you're going to have to take some time to refresh yourself in the presence of the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary and they shall run and not faint. I'm telling you church, you can be faint but you can stay in the race and you don't have to give up. I'm wore out but I'm still going on because I'm resting in the presence of the Lord and being refreshed in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Praying in the Spirit is also another way because he said in Isaiah 28, he said, he said speaking, uh, when he was referring to those that speak in tongues, he said, this is the rest. And this is the refreshing. Amen. So there's a rest and there's a refreshing. you got to keep yourself full of the Holy Ghost and rest and refresh in, daily in the presence of God so you don't lose your head. Number two, don't lose, hear that? Your heart. Everybody listen to that CD, they'll say, what in the world was that? Don't lose 
your heart. The heart is the very seat of our life, of our, and our walk with the Lord. The book of Proverbs says in chapter 4, I believe it's verse 23, he said, keep your heart. That word keep means to guard. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. The very issues of life, who you are, what you are, flows from within you. Jesus said, Jesus said that a good, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For he said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what Jesus was saying there, that what's showing up in your life on the outside, oh, hallelujah. What's showing up on your life on the, in your life on the outside is a direct result of what is on the inside. That's why he said to guard your heart, to keep your heart. We not only must keep our head, but we must keep our heart. And see, and that's the thing about watching what we meditate or dwell on or think on, or even when, it, listen, I, I think I mentioned this maybe the other night, but, but even the music we listen to and the, and the programs we watch on television and the movies we listen, watch and listen to, everything that enters this eye gate and into our mind can, will affect our heart if we dwell on it and meditate on it. We've got to guard our hearts tonight, amen, to keep our heart not to lose our heart. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Jesus said that there's a possibility that your heart can be troubled. Did he say that? He said, let not. Everybody knows this verse. But you know what? Uh, John 14, 1 is not just a verse for a funeral service. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. We all know that. But Jesus made that statement there and he's speaking about the heart of an individual and he said, you got to keep your heart. Don't let it be troubled. See, that is what the enemy is out to do. To get you faint and to stop you from pursuing your victory in the Lord. To just, to, to just fall by the wayside. And if you allow, and I'm, and I'm going to say it this way because I think this is the way Jesus is saying it in John 14. If you and I let or allow our hearts to be troubled and to be agitated, what does that word mean, troubled? It means to stir and to be agitated. Anybody ever get agitated on the inside? In your spirit? No, just Rick, just me. But that's what it means. It means to be, to be, to be disturbed on the inside, in your spirit. And we get that way sometimes. And, and listen, this is the chief, this is the main thing that the enemy wants to do is through the circumstances of life is to trouble your heart, to get you disturbed, to get you agitated. To get you frustrated. Every time I think of that, and I look that word troubled up, you know, the Greek word, and one of the definitions is to agitate. And every time I think of that, I think of Vicky's washing machine. Yeah. 
you know, because it's got that thing in there that goes, and what does it do? It sloshes that water around. And what do they call that thing? An agitator. You got it. Amen. Isn't that what they call it? Why? Because it's troubling the water. It's stirring. And that's what the devil tries and desires to do in every one of our lives is to agitate and to stir. He does not want you. Satan does not want you to have the peace of God in your heart. He wants you to be frustrated. He wants you to be upset. He wants you to be worried. He wants you to be fearful. But I'm telling you tonight, God is telling us, don't lose your head and don't lose your heart. Do not let your heart be troubled. Hallelujah. Woo. Cast that care upon the Lord. Give him those problems. Lay that burden upon him. He wants to care for you and take care of you tonight. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. God does not want you as a child of God to be worried, to be fretful, to be upset about situations in life. Boy, I tell you what. Brother Ricky, are you ever frustrated or agitated or upset? Don't look back in the sound booth at Vicky. <laughs> Amen. Because you know what she's doing back there. Yep. I'm a work in progress, okay? We all are. Absolutely. I'm telling you, this is something we've got to work on. Because see, it's not an automatic thing because Jesus said, let not. Who's the, who, who's the implied subject of that? You. Me. You. Jesus said, you don't let your heart be troubled. I preached a message on that some years ago from that verse. God's cure for heart trouble. And that's the cure right there is you don't let your heart be troubled, but instead of trouble, believe in God. And believe also, oh, hallelujah, in me faith and belief and trust and confidence in the Lord. If we'll keep it there, we'll drive away the troubles in our heart. And Jesus said, Jesus said in, his, in, in Matthew 6, he said, don't, 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 don't take thought about tomorrow. Don't think, of, don't, don't worry about, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what, you, what you're going to wear, Amen. Don't, don't fret over stuff like that. He said God feeds the fowls of the air. He clothes the lilies of the valley. Oh, he takes care of, of all his creation. And he said you, speaking of his children, he said you are of much more value than all the fowls of the air and the, and the, and the lilies of the field. Listen, you've got a God that loves you today. He said don't worry about it. Don't take anxious thoughts saying what are we gonna do? Where are we gonna, how are we gonna make ends meet? How are we gonna pay our bills? Oh, put your trust in the Lord. Don't lose your heart. Don't lose your head. Stay in the fight. Stay in the race. You may be weary, but I'm telling you, pick that foot up and put one foot in front of the other and keep pursuing. Keep on going. I'm wore out, but I'm going to keep on going for the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo. My Lord. Don't lose your 
head. Don't lose your heart. Number three, and I'm done. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. Can I tell you something tonight? Satan is after to steal your hope in the Lord. Look at Psalm 146 and verse 5. Whoo! Psalm 146 and verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. You get that? Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. How many tonight have the God of Jacob for your help? Huh? Well, then you're happy. How many of y'all are happy? Amen. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help. Listen to this last phrase. Whose hope is in the Lord his God. Do you know what hope is? I try to encourage people never to lose hope. Because hope is that belief that, that says no matter no matter how things look today, no matter what I'm facing today, I know that things are going to get better. That's hope. That's hope. See, hope, and I, I won't get into that tonight, but hope and faith are so closely related, but they are a little bit different. Hope is always future. Hope always looks ahead. Hope is always saying there's going to be a brighter day tomorrow. It may be cloudy today, but the sun is going to shine tomorrow. Amen. You know, here lately, here lately we, get, we, we, we look outside and it's cloudy and rainy. We say, well, it's cloudy today, but the sun's going to shine tomorrow. And then the weatherman says, no, the sun ain't shining for several more days. But you know what we do know? No matter how dark it is or stormy it is or cloudy it is, we still got to hope. Brother Terry, one of these days, that sky is going to be blue again. We know that for a fact. And I'm going to tell you something in Jesus Christ tonight. Whatever you may be going through, however long you may have been going through it, whatever you do, do not lose hope. Do not give up your hope. Things will get better if you'll continue to trust in the God of Jacob who makes the God of Jacob his helper. I'm telling you, there's hope that things are going to work out and everything's going to be all right. Oh, hallelujah, he's going to bring you through. He's going to bring you through. You know, you can go, they say that you can live 40 to 50 days without food. As you can tell by looking at me, I've never tried that. <laughs> but they say you can live about 40 days without food. You can live... I think three days or so without water. You can live about, some of you medical people would know this, eight minutes or so without oxygen. After that, you're pretty much, yeah, gone. But you know what? You cannot live one second without a hope That's right. that tomorrow That's right. things are going to be better no matter what. 
you're looking at today, no matter what you're going through today, see if you if you'll if you'll not lose your hope, that'll keep you pursuing. That'll keep you in the race. That'll keep you pursuing after that goal and that victory and pursuing that enemy. That'll keep you going for that ultimate victory just to know and have a hope that things are going to be better tomorrow. I may go to bed tonight. You may go to bed. Some, there may be some that cry yourself to sleep. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you one thing. You, can, you must maintain that hope. I told someone that this morning. Whatever you do, don't give up hope. Keep looking to the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. Psalm 42 familiar psalm. It's the psalm where David talked about as the, the deer pants after the water brook. So pants my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God and longs for God. And he talked about that. And then David said this. David had a, a, a moment there that he began to talk to himself. He carried on a little conversation with himself. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. <laughs> of how many talk to yourself. But I'm going to tell you this. I think we all do. Everybody does talk to yourself. And there's nothing wrong with talking to yourself. And I know people said, you know, uh, don't worry about talking to yourself, but you can worry as long as, you know, if, if you start answering yourself. <laughs> but... But when you talk to yourself, uh, what matters is what you're saying to yourself. You agree with that? So it's okay to talk to yourself, but have a good conversation with yourself. Tell yourself something good. Don't say, oh, you know, you're just no good, you're no count, you're, all, you're terrible. Don't talk good things. But David had a little conversation in Psalm 42 with himself, and he said, why are you cast down within me? Oh, my soul. Why are you disquieted? There's that troubling, see? There's that agitation. Why are you disquieted within me? He was going through something. But then he said this, Hope thou in God. He's telling himself that. He's disquieted, his soul is upset, his heart is troubled, but he's saying, hope in God, for I will yet praise the Lord for the help of his countenance in my life. Oh, praise God. I will yet praise the Lord. What's he doing? He's talking himself out of despair and out of trouble and into hope. And he's putting some hope and some confidence back into his soul, back into his heart, back into his life. My Lord, he was weary, but he kept on pursuing. Is there anybody here tonight? Woo, hallelujah. Hope thou in God. He said that several times in that psalm. It was on the worst day of David's life when the Bible said in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, when Ziklag was raided by the Amalekites, his family was taken captive, his wives, his children, all the families of his men, 
all taken captive and the city that they lived in was burnt with fire. And then those that were closest to David said, it's your fault, we're going to kill you. And it was the worst day of David's life and he didn't know what to do and he was so distressed. The Bible said he was greatly distressed. But 1 Samuel 30 and 6, you all know it. It says this, but David, (laughs) I'm about to have a Pentecostal spell. He said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. What was he doing? He was building up some hope. He was getting some hope. He said, God, it may look bad right now. It may look terrible right now, but I've got confidence and hope that things are going to be better. And he he sent for the priest and for the ephod and he inquired of the Lord and said, Shall I pursue them? Shall I overtake them? Will I recover everything that's lost? And God answered him that day. And God said, get up, David, and go after the enemy and pursue them. For without fail, you will recover everything. You'll recover all. Oh, he was weary. He was wore out. But he kept on going and kept on pursuing. I'm getting my steps in tonight. Praise God. My watch will be going off here in a minute saying, Stop, you've wore us out. <laughs> Woo, I'm having fun. I don't know about him. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. Let me, let me close. I was, is this my second closing or third? <laughs> let me close. Acts 27, Paul, prisoner on a ship on his way to Rome. 276 men on that ship. Paul had told them, it's not good sailing weather, boys. You need not to go. Better not go. But the captain said, listen, you hush. You are as a preacher. We know what we're doing. (laughs) So they took off. It wasn't long till they hit a terrible storm called Eurocladon, a nor'easter. It was bad. For 14 days, no sun, no moon, no stars, just storms and wind and rain and tossing that boat one side to the other. And the Bible said it was so bad that everyone on that ship lost all hope of ever being saved. Now, we ran into a little turbulence on our cruise. They had to reroute us. We didn't get to go to the Bahamas. They took us to Mexico because we ran into a storm. And it was quite amusing because you've got 2,500, mostly all Christians on that boat, on that ship. There's no bars open, thank God. There's no casinos open. It's a gospel singing cruise and everybody on there is pretty much Christians listening to gospel music and the thing was we're all walking around like a bunch of drunk men. We're staggering and so that's how bad that it was. 
It was pretty bad. But it was really kind of funny. But I thought about that. when, And you know what? I'm sitting there. We're sitting there watching. I think it was Jeff and Sherry Easter or somebody singing. We're sitting there. And that thing's tossing this way and that way. And you're sitting there. And there's a curtain there. And it's sliding this way. And it's sliding that way. And it hits me in the head and all this. And I just wanted to get up and shout and say, Would somebody find Jonah and throw him overboard? <laughs> Amen. But I can imagine the way it was with Paul. This was, this was a terrible storm they were in. And all hope was taken away. All hope was taken away. But the Apostle Paul didn't say anything for quite some time. But he had a visitation from the Lord. And the Lord gave him an assurance and sent an angel to tell him, Paul, don't be afraid. You must surely appear before Caesar in Rome. Now when God says that, ain't no storm, no where, no way, no how is going to take you out when he said you must appear before Caesar in Rome. And he said, I have given you all them that sail with you and there's not going to be one person lose their life. The ship will be destroyed, but everybody's going to make it safe to land. And Paul gets a word from the Lord. And he goes to face and to talk to these 276 men that have lost all hope. I hope there's nobody here tonight that's lost hope. But if you have, I want to try to put some hope back into you tonight to keep you pursuing the things of God. Paul stands before those men. And the first thing he said, common, I mean, it's just typical preacher. He said, you all should have listened to me and not to have loosed from Crete and gained this harm and loss. But then he looked at them. They're pale. They're, you know, I can imagine they're holding on to stuff, trying to stand up. And he says, in the midst of the storm, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. For this night there stood by me an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for you will be brought before Caesar in Rome, and I have given you all those that sail with thee. And he said this, Wherefore, sirs, I be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it will be even as it was told me. And you know what? He encouraged those men. He told them, give, give, take something to eat. They were strengthened. They ate some food. They had some hope put back in them. They were still in the storm, but they had some hope in their heart to keep on going. And they all made it safe to land. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're in a race tonight. We're pursuing our goals, our victory. Uh, we're pursuing that victory tonight through the Lord Jesus Christ. But hope has to be a part of that. Amen. Don't lose your head. Don't lose your heart. And don't lose your hope. That old song said, There is peace in the time of trouble. There is peace in the midst of the storm. There is shelter, though this old world be raging, in the shelter of His loving arms. Amen. Bow your heads with me tonight. Father, thank You for Your